with that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! How fun indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Short Story Bingo. We made it, y'all. Episode 64. Happy Black History Month and happy uh, being you and being alive today. Uh, my name is Nate Chacon III. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's if it's not, the retention program is working. What I do on this podcast is I'm a glorified narrator. The stories that you have heard and some that you've not. It's like Libro.fm, sort of. Think uh, your best friend who listens to you read stories and says, what the fuck throughout. <laughs> um, what we do uh, today, we're going to be reading um, about Katherine Johnson. She, of course, is the extraordinary NASA mathematician that the movie Hidden Figures um, was centered around. Her story, um, she helped, I mean, simply put, helped send people to the moon, but also broke down incredible barriers for um, African Americans and then also, you know, for women. So, double banger on that. Uh, she's an amazing, it's an amazing story. It's by Ebony Joy Wilkins in the DK Life Stories. So, super excited to read about that. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, it's come to my attention that I don't pump the YouTube enough, and that's what we're doing now. So, check the YouTube out, subscribe, simply search Short Story Bingo. Link is in the description below. Um, love to have you on there. Comment, let us know how we're doing. We certainly appreciate all the love we're getting there. Um, also, uh, as we are continuing our journey here, I just want to make sure to let everyone know, thank you guys so much for your support and listening. Um, it's been quite the ride and we're just getting started. So, um, I know George and I have, uh, put a lot of work and effort into making sure that we bring these to you every Saturday. So super, super appreciative of your listenership. All right. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Extraterrestrial Media. Visit extratmedia.com if you need to film a music video, uh, record an audio single, or have a single mixed or mastered. Uh, get a drone shot of your business or home, need consultation for a project, um, need a podcast recorded, uh, or have some tips on how to get that done, visit extratmedia.com. We're also partnered with Libro.fm. When you make the switch, go into their site. Please enter Story Bingo and you, at checkout for your new membership to receive two audiobooks instead of one. Libro.fm makes it possible for you to buy audiobooks through your local bookstore, giving you the power to keep money within your local economy, create local jobs, and make a difference in your community. Here at Short Story Bingo, of course, we partnered uh, through Libro.fm to our local bookshop, King's English Bookshop. Uh, they are located on 1511 South and 1500 East in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit kingsenglish.com. Short Story Bingo is also partnered with Size. 60% off your whole entire order when you use the code Story Bingo. I can't express this enough. Um, gonna re restarting my 30 day on uh, the transformation pack that I have, and couldn't be more excited about it. Get 60% off at checkout, jawsersize.com, J A W Z R S I Z E. And again, thank you guys so much for all the support, all the love, man. We've been um, trying to do our best to, to keep these rolling. Of course, thank you so much for last episode of uh, our stories. I know we uh, featured Keith McDonald, very excited about that, but. Episode 64, binge all you want. Katherine Johnson, short.
Short and Bingo, Nate Chacon the Third. Very excited to have you guys. And uh, yeah, let's get into the intro music because that's what's next, you know. Oh, at Gabino Grimes, Gabino underscore Grimes on Instagram and at Short Sword Bingo on Instagram as well. So yeah, let's get into it, man. Episode 64. Let's have some fun. Katherine Johnson, Hidden Figures, all that. NASA, you know, we're going to have a good time. Peace. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, let's get a clap in before we get started here. Um, again, we're going to be reading about Katherine Johnson. Uh, she was, uh, her and her crew were, um, and I'm putting it very lightly, they were the uh, mathematicians and scientists uh, documented for um, the Hidden Figures movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you have not seen that movie, uh, tearjerker, but also very inspiring. It's incredible. It's just very incredible. But we're going to be reading chapters three through seven. This book is a, a little, I mean, um, yeah, it's going to go through uh, when she graduated high school um, at 14 <laughs> and then headed for college at 15, all the way up to uh, the space race, uh, leading up into the space race when, she, you know, things were being pushed for change. So, very excited to be about this. All right, let's go. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get started. Um, let's see. I wanted to mention, because I saw the stats about this on the analytics, about the top three countries and the top three states. Florida, I don't know what's in the water, Doug, but um, I really appreciate how much you guys have been uh, supporting the podcast. It's wild to me. And then um, the Netherlands as well. Uh it's right behind the United States. So it's Netherlands, Canada, and the United Kingdom um, are the top three countries. And then Florida, Idaho, and Texas. So they're still holding strong. But Florida is like, it's like Florida and then everyone else. So it's wild to me. Utah's after Texas. So there's that, you know. All right. Okay. Here we go. Episode 64, Katherine Johnson. There we go. Take a quick peek, a look at the book. And let's get it. Chapter three, separate and unequal. As mentioned, Catherine Jett graduated high school with honors at just 14 years old, and she was headed for college at 15. All right. Many students at her school got jobs after graduation, but Catherine had her sights set on a career in math, and she would need to further her education to get it. She was just fine with that. Catherine looked forward to going to college a goal her parents had always dreamed of for their children. Colleges at the time were segregated, just like, a, just like other schools. Catherine enrolled in West Virginia State, which was an all-black college then. Some people believed that segregation of schools had a negative impact on students. Others, white people in particular, thought that segregation was necessary Either way, Catherine was used to learning in schools for only black students, and she refused to let it concern her one bit. Bars, for sure. Because she was such a math whiz, Catherine breezed through the courses offered to her. Like a boss, her confidence, curiosity, and mind for math helped her learn at a fast pace. 
Fun fact about West Virginia State, opened in 1891. Today, nearly 30,000 students are enrolled there. This is going to be fun because there's a lot of little things here like that. As always, Catherine helped her fellow students. And once again, her teachers took notice. When she had completed and mastered all of the math courses at West Virginia State by her third year in school, flex bomb for that for sure, another flex bomb for that for sure, and that's crazy. Yeah, and that's also perfect. Um, by her third year in school, her professors created more advanced courses, especially for her. Her love of math was unwavering, and her professors began helping her think about what kind of career she might like. One professor, Dr. William W. Scheiflin Clater, introduced Catherine to the idea of working as a research mathematician. And I might have messed his name up, but, uh, but that's how I thought it read. Okay. Um, a research mathematician is... Okay, so Catherine... Excuse me. Da, 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 one professor, Dr. William W. Uh, Schifflin. Schifflin? Schifflin. Schifflin. Clater introduced Catherine to the idea of working as a research mathematician. Well, tell us what a research mathematician is. A research, a research mathematician is someone who works to develop math theories and who looks for trends or patterns in sets of data. It may sound complicated, but as soon as she learned what the job was, Catherine was hooked. In this role, she would be able to put her math skills to use in real-world settings instead of just at school. So it was decided Catherine would be a research mathematician. Now she had a career path and a dream. Unfortunately, there weren't many job opportunities for Catherine when she graduated from college in 1937. She was African-American and she was a woman. Which was not a good combination for the job market at the time. 1937, I can imagine as such. Fun fact... Catherine graduated from, graduated from college when she was just 18 years old. That deserves an applause. Okay. Um, so, yeah, not a good combination at the time for job market-wise, being African-American and a woman. 1937, welcome to being weird. Okay, employers were legally allowed to choose not to hire candidates like Catherine. Not super dope. I'd hate that. The odds of her finding work, even with her college degree, were extremely unlikely. Cap Catherine kept her hopes up. She considered every opportunity that presented itself, including one she had expected. Teaching. Catherine knew women were expected to work as teachers or nurses or to stay home with children. She didn't have children yet, and she had always shown an ability for teaching others. Right after her graduation from West Virginia State... She took a job as a high school teacher in Marion, Virginia. There she taught French, gave piano lessons, and helped with the student choir. Catherine liked teaching her students and she was good at it. However, soon a new opportunity would come up that Catherine never expected. One that would set her on the career path of her dreams. Catherine was teaching class one day in 1939 when the former president of West, of West Virginia State, of West Virginia State, Dr. John W. Davis approached her. Dr. Davis had a new opportunity for her, one she hadn't seen coming. He knew Catherine had been interested in continuing her studies, but in the state of West Virginia, there were no graduate programs at black colleges. In the past, that would have meant Catherine's studies were over. However, 
the year before, the U.S. Supreme Court had ordered traditionally white colleges to open their doors to black students. This process of putting black and white students into the same school was, let's say it all together, called integration. The ruling would be life-changing for many people, Catherine included. Let's go back to that uh, important ruling. In 1935, a black student named Lloyd Gaines applied for law school at the University of Missouri. He was denied entry because of his race, because there was no similar school for black students nearby. The Supreme Court ruled that the university either had to create one or let him in. So 1935 is when, you know, things uh, looks looks like uh, started to, I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered traditionally white college to open the doors. Yeah, so 1935, look, uh, Mr. Lloyd Gaines. Okay. When the governor of West Virginia asked Dr. Davis for the names of three exceptional black students, Catherine made the list. She was accepted for the graduate school summer session. Uh, blah, 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 because I can't fuck. Uh, okay. Um, when, the, when the governor of West Virginia asked Dr. Davis for the names of three exceptional black students, Catherine made the list. She was accepted for the graduate school's summer session to study mathematics. As a parting gift, her boss at the high school gave her a set of reference books to help with her studies. Catherine's mother moved in with her to help her adjust back into life as a student. She was also there for much-needed moral support. Being one of the first black students in a traditionally white school would not be easy, as one might imagine. Countless movies, countless stories, you know, here we are. Catherine knew people might be hostile to her because of her race. She also knew that she would have to work harder than she had in her entire life. Get it, Catherine. Here we go. Catherine would be going to school with white students for the very first time. <sighs> Luckily, she didn't have to start this journey alone. Thank goodness. Two other African Americans, Kenneth James and W.O. Armstrong, had been selected by Dr. Davis to attend the school too. A few years, a few years later, Kenneth James would become the first black student to earn a master's degree from West Virginia State. W.O. Armstrong would earn his master's degree one year later. It was tough on the three of them to be pioneers at West Virginia at a time when the work of white people was valued above that of African Americans, and especially above the work of African American women. Fun fact, schools were officially integrated starting in 1954 after a famous case, Brown versus Board of Education. All right. The integration of colleges was an important step in the fight for equality and fair treatment for students of all races. However, that didn't mean the change would be simple or easy. In some schools and colleges, the first black students to attend what had been white-only schools had to arrive at school with a police escort. Some white families did, did not want African-American students there, so despite the new laws, there was a lot of tension, to say the least. In some cases, there was violence. Huh. I'm just reading about this. It's like a bubble point. It says integration violence right here. It's what I'm reading. And, um, oops, sorry. Bring, let's see. I mean, uh... 
YouTube. Um, actually, let's just do it right now. Let's see. I'm gonna do this. I'm googling, YouTubing um, the Little Rock. I think it's Little Rock Six. Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Little Rock Nine. Six upside down. Or right side up. Yeah. Nine black students were escorted by federal troops into Little Rock, Arkansas Central High School, which is still standing to this day. Um, but when, uh, you know, the book describes here that, um, you know, there was violence and folks were, they had to arrive at school with a police escort. That's the scene that pops in my head is the Little Rock Nine um, as they're going in, you know, with federal escorts just a rough time in history here uh for the states you know um yeah okay so Catherine had broken many barriers in her lifetime already she'd skipped grades mastered math at all levels uh she skipped grades mastered math at all grade levels and graduated college early with the highest honors again killing it in her new life as a graduate student though Catherine would have to prove herself all over again her very presence in West Virginia State's graduate program angered the people there who didn't believe in integration. Envious of her talent, I'm sure, you know. Because of this, she wasn't able to focus only on her studies and building friendships. She also had to worry about her safety. Many of her new classmates were nice to her, but some of the students were not friendly at all. Neither Catherine nor her classmates were used to being in class with students of other races. So it was like twofold, you know. Is it a new experience for everyone? So, which is wild to think about, like a new experience, just like to be in, this, to not be segregated, and how integration was a you know a real thing that uh, we had to like overcome, like bringing two different races together to be in school, or like how workplaces, um, I mean, for all intent, were integrated but still segregated. I mean, happens still to this day, you know? So just reading about this pulls some of those emotions that I have are, you know, previously harbored when it comes to my thoughts on how integration, um, although archaic in, in like a thought of how it should have been, um, was a necessary, it was necessary with, you know, what the heck, man? We had to come all, all of us had to come together. All right. Um, the experience was new to everyone involved, including her professors. With that newness came uneasiness and sometimes meanness. Some students and instructors discriminated against Catherine just because of her skin color. They thought that she couldn't and shouldn't learn in the presence of other students just because she had darker skin. Despite any discomfort Catherine might have felt, she was glad to have her family support. Ballin. Her mother was close, close by to listen and help Catherine when she needed her the most. With her mother's support, Catherine made the decision to succeed despite any harmful negativity that came her way. Over the course of the summer session, Catherine's graduate school professors, professors began to see how special her mind really was. Her math skills were beyond those of most of her classmates, and her attitude toward learning was inspiring. Catherine was doing well at graduate school because, for her, excelling was the only option. Let's go, dog! Excelling was the only option. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. Perfect. Perfect.
All right. Catherine was doing well at graduate school because for her, excelling was the only option. For this reason, her professors began to treat her fairly and support her in her goals. It's the start of a new journey. Catherine met and married James Francis Goebel in 1939, the same year she had begun attending graduate school. When the summer session was over, Catherine had a difficult decision to make. There was nothing she loved more than studying math and using her talents and skills to help others. But now that she was married, Catherine was eager to start a family. Her parents had been hardworking and dedicated to their children. They had sacrificed much in order for Catherine and her siblings to have a good life. Catherine was willing to sacrifice for her future family too. In this case, by leaving graduate school to focus on having and raising kids. Wow. You know, kudos uh, uh, to decisions like that. Uh, it's never easy because you might get two sides of the coin on that uh, from, I don't, I mean, I don't know uh, how that struggle is for a woman when it comes to the social stigma um, from others surrounding being a mother um, or chasing a career and what that looks like. Like if you're chasing a career, you know, there's the, I don't know. I don't, but like you hear like you're selfish or something, you know, I don't know, you know, but, uh, because I guess, you know, insert whatever here, you know, I don't want to get into it super hard, but, uh, for her to, for Catherine to make that decision and be like, you know what, I want to raise a family is, you know, do you, you know, that's what I say. Do you in whatever it is that you're doing, you know? Whatever social stigmas are out there that might that you think are preventing you, um, they're not. Except you know, unless it's like uh, wear a shirt and and some socks inside of a McDonald's and you know go through the drive-through. But other than that, do what do what your heart feels. You only get one trip around this around this rock, and um, you know make the best of it. So yeah, if it's if you want to start a family, start a family. If you feel like you need to continue to to go to school to garner that education, knock that out too. I love that. All right. A little, a little over a year after Catherine made her decision, she and James had their first child. Yay. A baby girl named jo Joylette. The same name as Catherine's mother. They would have two more daughters, Constance and Catherine, in the years that followed. In the year, early 1950s, once their children had grown from babies into young girls, Catherine and James moved their family to Newport News, Virginia. Once there, James began working as a painter at the Newport News shipyard, and Catherine worked as a substitute math teacher while their daughters settled into their new schools. Fun fact, the Newport News shipyard was founded in 1886 and is still active today. All right, that's great. <laughs> Catherine adjusted well to her new life in Newport News. She and James worked hard at their new jobs, and they participated in the goings-on of the community. Catherine was known in several social circles, as well as in her church for her service uh, to her neighbors, and she developed a close, supportive circle of friends. Catherine was also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, one of the first organizations for black women. She and the other women in this group focused on advocacy and social change. Bars, let's go. Catherine especially advocated for better education for African-American children, a cause both she and James strongly believed in. 
Fun fact about Alpha Kappa Alpha. A sorority is, okay, well, okay, whatever. A sorority is a society of people, typically female college students, who come together to socialize and advocate for causes. Catherine's sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, has more than 1,000 chapters across the country. Is it typically female college students for a sorority? What's it, what is it for dudes then? I mean, is that a thing? Sorority only, f hold on. Soror first off, learn how to spell, learn how to spell, learn how to spell. Okay, sorority. I it's gonna come up and I'll be like, oh, that's what it's called. Is it a fraternity? Ah, fraternities is usually understood to mean a social organization composed of only men and a sorority is one for women. Okay, got down to it, got down to it, good. Oh. Goodness gracious, I didn't know. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. Although Catherine, uh, although Catherine, um, although Catherine liked her new life in Newport News, she still dreamed of something more. She had fulfilled her dream of having a family. I mean, just knocking life goals out. You know what I'm saying? How like dope is that? I I really 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 love that. Perfect. 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 All right. Okay. Um, she had fulfilled her dream of having a family, but she had not yet fulfilled her dream of becoming a research mathematician. Then one day in 1952, her brother-in-law told her about an unusual newspaper advertisement or advertisement, however you like to pronounce things. He had seen the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or better known as NACA, had placed an ad calling for women to apply for jobs at Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. The ad read, reduce your household duties. Women who are not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do jobs previously filled by men should call the Langley Memorial Aeronautical Laboratory, or El Mall. <laughs> Catherine had never been afraid to work hard. She knew this might be her chance. That was really the advertisement, though. Right here. I'm going to show it right there. There you go. That's how that read. One more time. Women who are not afraid to roll up their sleeves should call the Langley Memorial Aeronautical Laboratory. Dude, can we find that actual... This would be wild if we can find this. 1952. Uh, Langley... Memorial, Langley. Um, you know, first time for sure reading and typing in, apparently. Memorial, Memorial Advertisement. Oh, so the weather, huh? While I'm looking this up, okay. find it well that would have been cool if we did well oh well if we have a wow 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 yeah that was a big crash i wrecked on that one okay
All right, so she f sees the ad, and uh, here's where we at. The 1952 newspaper ad, ad calling for women workers was unusual, but it would have been even more unusual 11 years earlier. Yeah, a lot of things would have been. In 1941, President Roosevelt had declared that discrimination in the workplace was no longer allowed. Wow, man, that's crazy. Just by law, but not by morals. Okay, this declaration, uh, this dec excuse me, this declaration happened partly as a result, partly as a result of World War II. While many men were off fighting in the war, women were needed to take on jobs at home that men usually did. Okay? Despite President Roosevelt's declaration, many companies and organizations were still not willing to hire women even by the 1950s. Duh. Yeah. You can't just, like, institute laws and be like, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing now. However, some did choose to open their doors to women, many for the first time. NACA was one of those organizations, and even better, they were allowing African-American women to apply too. This gave talented specialists like Catherine a long-awaited opportunity to further their excuse me, careers. NACA's Langley Research Center was a government agency in Hampton, Virginia, that conducted research on flying technologies, flight safety, and airplane, de airplane designs. Flight had been a crucial area of research during World War II. World leaders understood that the countries with the most airplanes would win the war. Completely different war than World War I, of course, you know? So, World War I was the last of those of the wars that were, like, uh, skirmish type of wars where you had, like, one whole line of people and then a whole other line of people and it's like, charge, you know? Um, and then World War II, planes became involved and that just, you know... Hiroshima, airplanes did many important jobs. They carried soldiers and supplies, helped the military keep track of where the enemy was, and dropped bombs during battle. Great. By 1943, the United States had three times the number of airplanes Germany had. Wow. The war had been over for seven years when Catherine first learned of Langley's newspaper, uh, newspaper ad in 1952, but flight research was still going strong. Catherine was happy as a math teacher, but she was excited for the opportunity to put her math skills to use as a research mathematician in this critical area. Catherine applied for the position, but she was too late. The jobs had already been taken. Never one to give up, Catherine kept her eyes open for another opportunity to apply. The next year, Catherine got her next chance, and this time, she was successful. Let's go. She started working for NACA in 1953 in the organization's guidance and navigation department. Did you know NACA would change its name to NASA? Didn't know that. Didn't see that coming. N-A-C-A to N-A-S-A. Or the National NASA stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration in 1958. So 1953, there were NACA. Five years later, went to NASA. All right. Catherine was hired to be a human computer. This is air quotes. This meant she would calculate data and analyze information for the male engineers at Langley. The work which desktop computers would do in later years, had to be done by hand at the time. Just a quick brief history on the, the beginning of computers. Truncated version, of course. In the early 1940s, engineers in the United States had begun designing a machine that could be programmed to solve math problems. It was called the ENIAC, or the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer. It was the first modern computer, over time, computers would become much smaller and more efficient, i.e. my laptop and 
the computer that you're probably listening to this on or watching from, <laughs> which is your phone probably. Uh, okay, the work which de- uh, the work which desktop computers would do in later years had to be done by hand at the time. In an interview on television in 2011, Catherine described the work she did. You had big data sheets with maybe 15 or 20 columns across and 25 lines down, and you solved those all the way across for days. It was fascinating. You know what would be fascinating? If we found some of that interview. In an interview, Catherine Johnson, 2011 interview. That would be super dope if we can get a little bit of audio from that. Come on. Johnson. 2011. Oh, there's a. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Let's see. Oh, when her husband came in, he he said begun to hire black women and they want mattresses there that has just begun to hire black women. Okay, here we go. Seriously. Government facility there that has just begun to hire black women and they want mattresses. So that was that. And the job he was talking specifically about what was NASA's job. NASA was hiring female mathematicians and for the first time that you know this was a year that they had started hiring black and this was in the late 50s this was in the summer of 51 hmm so we came so when jimmy came home i said we're going to newport news yeah, see, and we just talked about Newport News. So I, that was from uh, Catherine Johnson. The, the name of the video is Catherine Johnson becoming a NASA mathematician from the Visionary Project, uh, project rather, excuse me, um, on YouTube. That was cool. Okay. Uh, so yeah, an interview on television in 2011, Catherine described the work she did. You had big data sheets with, ma- sheets with maybe 15 or 20 columns across and 25 lines down, and you solved those all the way across for days. It was fascinating. Catherine was part of a team of 12 African-American human computers, all female research mathematicians. They included, and again, this is uh, the movie um, Hidden Figures. If you have not seen it, you know, um, if you love this, then you're going to love that. They included Mary Jackson, who worked on a supersonic pressure tunnel project, and Dorothy Vaughn, who became the first African-American manager at Langley. The 12 women worked well together. They calculated new technological advances and flight experiment data. The women built strong friendships in the office, and they enjoyed one another's company outside of work, too. The human computers would often be asked to work on special projects, where they would shadow the engineers as they did their research, then calculate and analyze the engineers' data. I love this. I really love this part. After only two weeks on the job, Catherine was given her first special project. Give it to me. It was for the Maneuver Loads Branch. She researched data from flight tests and investigated the math behind plane crashes that were caused by turbulence. She did so well on the project, she was asked to keep working for the division. Catherine spent the next four years there. During her time at Langley, Catherine earned her reputation as being someone who often spoke up and asked questions. The women did what they were told to do, she said. 
They didn't ask questions or take the task any further. I asked questions. I wanted to know why. Catherine's year of studying had prepared her well for her role at Langley. Her dream of using her math skills for her career was finally coming true. She'd set her goal, and now she was achieving it. Just, again, knocking tasks out, dog. And check her out. Catherine poses for a portrait in Hampton, Virginia in about 1960. Check her out. She's amazing, man. Super, super amazing. Again, this is being shown on the YouTube, so search short story bingo, or the link is in the description below if you're listening online. Thank you for listening online and streaming on your podcast streaming platform. Um, unfortunately, okay, she set her goal, and now she was achieving it. Unfortunately, there was sadness in her life, too. In December 1956, Catherine's husband became very sick and died. Catherine was left alone with her three daughters, all of whom were in high school. Thanks to her work, she was still able to support her family. Although Catherine and her female co-workers were allowed in the workplace, some things had not changed. The human computers were considered sub-professionals, which meant their work was thought of as a level below the engineers's. They were looked down on by the men, and they were required to work and eat separately. Catherine tried not to let the tension caused by the working conditions slow her down. While she excelled at Langley, Catherine kept thinking about how to improve access and fair treatment for others. She was hardworking and dedicated to equality in the workplace for people of all races and genders. There were a lot of rules about what African Americans couldn't do. There were also a lot of rules about what women couldn't do. Catherine wanted to know why the rules were there in the first place. She also wanted to make room for future generations of scientists who would come after her. Catherine's assignment was to calculate. She loved doing this, but in order to do her job better, she needed to learn what the engineers were learning. Catherine was determined to work more closely with the engineers, but some of the men didn't believe Catherine should be included in their meetings. Fun fact, Catherine wrote a report on orbital flight. It was the first report in her division written by a woman. Just so many applauses throughout this whole episode. Okay, uh, so let's go back really quick. Catherine was determined to work more closely with the engineers, but some of the men didn't believe Catherine should be included in their meetings. No woman had ever attended these meetings before. No woman, no woman had even asked to attend the meetings before. Catherine was persistent, and she would take, not take no for an answer. She questioned the people who told her that she couldn't participate, and she stood up for herself by asking if there was a law that kept her out of the meetings. There wasn't. And Catherine became the first woman to go to them. Let's go. Later in her life, when Catherine was asked about going to the meeting, she said, they got used to me being the only woman there. She soon was known among the engineers for her extensive knowledge of geometry, her, excuse me, her leadership skills, and her inquisitive nature. Another question or quote from Catherine in 2013. I asked questions I wanted to know. Uh, I asked questions. I wanted to know why they got used. Uh, excuse me. I asked questions. I wanted to know why they got used to me being the only woman there. Although they had been unsure at first, the engineers were impressed by Catherine's contributions to the meetings. They started trusting her to ask the right questions and to come up with strong solutions. They could see she didn't follow directions. She always wanted to know more. 
Meanwhile, Catherine's personal life took a happy turn. The pastor of her church in Newport News introduced her to Lieutenant Colonel James A. Johnson, a Korean War veteran. Later, in 1959, the two would get married. Go, Catherine. Back at Langley, because she had gained the trust of her male colleagues, Catherine was called upon to work on several projects. One of those projects gave her the chance to contribute equations to a report called Notes on Space Technology. Notes on Space Technology, air quoted, included a collection of lectures assembled by engineers from NACA's Flight Research Division and Pilotless Aircraft Research Division. Of the many people who contributed to this important report, Catherine was the only woman. After the report came out in 1958, some of the engineers who worked on it were asked to join a special task force called the Space Task Group. Engineer Dr. Robert Gilruth was appointed the group's leader. Did you know the original, again another fun fact, the original Space Task Group was made up of 45 people, eight secretaries and eight excuse me, eight secretaries and human computers and 37 engineers. I just, they just called them human computers. It's wild to me. Catherine was asked to be part of the space task group as well. Being put on this project was a momentous occasion in her life. She had already made contributions to notes on space technology. Soon she would make even more contributions to space travel, ones for which people all over the world would one day recognize her. In the late 1950s, the United States was locked in a heated competition with another country, the Soviet Union. Catherine would play a role in helping to put the United States in the lead of that competition. It was the country's biggest race to date, and it was called the Space Race. All right. That is episode 64, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that uh, leads up to Catherine Johnson. Um, working on the Apollo 11 missions, uh, which, of course, is the first spacecraft with uh, humans on board to land on the surface of the moon. Um, the rest, you know, her, her story continues to evolve, of course, but I wanted to read um, about her, her rise uh, from being a 15-year-old graduate uh, of, in high school to, go to, to start going to college and then becoming an 18-year-old graduate um, in college to becoming a teacher, becoming a mother, and then reshifting her focuses again, and then uh, being placed onto, you know, special, what's that again, the space task group, um, which was the uh, initial group that was essentially the space program uh, for the United States and was thrown right into the space race. Katherine Johnson, um, again, she is featured in... Uh, the movie Hidden Figures, I can't say it enough. Just amazing. Happy Black History Month. Just, um, you know, it's incredible to uh, make sure that, um, well, her story is incredible, excuse me. But it's important to uh, reflect on in incredible accomplishments uh, made um, from anyone, but, uh, you know, from our minority brothers and sisters um, that, you know, it's, it's just mind-blowing a lot of the different uh, barriers that have been uh, broken down while we're still trying to figure that part out uh, even today in 2021, you know? So um, inspiring story, motivating. Catherine Johnson is uh, ex 
extraordinary. I could say a bunch of other superlatives that wouldn't even cover it. Uh, one more time, give it up to our sponsors, Extra T Media. Visit extratmedia.com, libro.fm. At checkout, use code STORYBINGO. And then, of course, uh, Jaws or Size, uh, again, STORYBINGO, at checkout to receive uh, 60% off your entire order. Um, my name is Nate Chacon Third. I appreciate it. Uh, please review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're at 16 only, which is crazy to me, but we're at five stars um, right now. So, yeah, I appreciate that. And, yeah, man, um, this is coming to a screeching halt. And that's it. My name is Nate Chacon Third. Episode 64, Short Story Bingo. Uh, did I say Fort Story Bingo? Or did I say Short Story Bingo? Short Story Bingo. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, we're out, man. Dun, dun, dun. Spare fingers. Yes. <laughs>